With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. We're live. Cold open right off the bat. Well, that's all right. Uh, Welcome to uh, what we're going to call a a SWAC basketball preview here on the Black College Sports Network. We got the Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's A.D. Drew. We've got Charles Bishop from the pregame show as well as Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab. And then we've got Dean himself, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Uh, Drew, Charles, Doc, how's everybody doing? Doing well today, Brian. Doing fine, my brother. I'm doing well. Doing well. All right. Well, hopefully. Exactly. Exactly. We got our dancing shoes on. I am excited about the SWAC uh, tournament. You know, I hit you guys up uh, yesterday uh, after just going through some various notes and just the the buzz of of this uh, tournament, you know. uh, and, And so I'm like, hell, who wants to do a show? Let's go. And so, of course, you guys responded to the call, and I think uh, we got some good stuff here for everybody. So just to let everybody know uh, the format on how we're going to do this show, the first half of this, uh, first 30 minutes, we're going to talk about the women. Uh, We're going to try to get into the big stories of the past season, as well as the matchups, the eight teams that will be competing in the uh, women's tournament, and then uh, take a break and then come back and finish it off with the men. We'll also give you some predictions, um, tell you who we think should be the MVP of each uh, of each uh, the men and women's, as well as coach of the year and maybe some all swag performers. So uh, as we as we get into as we get into this recap, uh, I, I think without saying that the story on the women's side by far and away is a historic run by uh, Jackson State. And uh, head coach Tamika Reed uh, has led the Lady Tigers to their third consecutive regular season SWAC championship. Uh, And more importantly, this this group, and I got to say it's spearheaded by not only Coach Reed, but also by um, um, uh, Amisha Williams and Deja Rogan. That group, those two have led... Uh, what we like to call a a UConn esque type of run in the SWAC, where by my stats and Charles, you can confirm or tell me if my stats are off from yours. Within the SWAC, uh, they are currently on a thirty-one game regular season win streak, thirty-four game win streak in SWAC games. So that includes the the postseason a year ago, and uh, I believe 
you know, they had winning streaks two years ago of 12 wins. Uh, last year, it was a 16-win streak that led into this year, the 18-0 regular season. The first, I believe this is the first time in conference history. Um, they had a couple teams that did a 17-1 run, uh, Prairie View in 2009, Southern in 2002. So, Charles, you had a chance to be there Saturday to win number 18. Talk a little bit about this historic run and, and what this has been like to cover and watch. Uh, i tell you what, Brian, it's been tremendous. I mean, when you uh, take a look at this team, uh, when you talk about checking all the boxes, uh, that's what this Jackson State women's team does. They check all the boxes. Uh, they play uh, phenomenal defense. They're the number one defensive team in the SWAC. Uh, they're the number one offensive team in the SWAC. They rebound. Uh, they protect the foot, uh, protect the basketball. They create turnovers. And uh, there was something even that happened Saturday. They're up 30, and they're still diving on the floor for loose balls. I mean, that's that's the sort of team to see is not only are they talented, but they're gritty, they're scrappy. Uh, they just really literally check all the boxes that you can think of with regards to how you should play the game. And then, you know, to, to make a read, I mean, whether it's first quarter or fourth quarter, uh, she really drives this team. I mean, it is uh, reminiscent of, of a Gino Ariema at UConn. I mean, they just, I can't say anything more than they, they check all the boxes that you can think of. When Coach Reed came to Jackson State, did, did Jackson State know what they had? Did, did they know Coach Reed was going to become uh, or, or get off to the kind of start that she's that she has uh, that she's done? And I mean, she's, I mean, obviously very uh, young in her coaching career, but at Jackson State. But I mean, this is a heck of a start. Did, did, did Jackson State fans, uh, I don't know what you, what you guys call these, so Jacksonites, did Jacksonites know what they had uh, <laughs> when Coach Reed came on board? Yeah, Jacksonians. Well, you know, I, Jack- I, I think they were aware, I, I think they were aware that uh, Coach Reed uh, was, was a winner. Uh, but no, there's no way you could have predicted this amount of success, uh, this historic um, uh, success that Jackson State basketball has had. Uh, even going back to the Sadie McGee days, uh, the bellwether days of Jackson State women's basketball, uh, this is unprecedented. Uh, going 18 and 0 in conference play, uh, they knew uh, Coach Reed was a winner. She was on staff. Uh, she was on Denise Taylor's staff. But uh, I don't think there was any way to predict this sort of. Uh, historic run from Jackson State women's basketball. And I tell you what, uh, Coach Reed, uh, uh, just talking to her, uh, you feed off of her energy. She just, she's nonstop, and then she really just drives this team uh, with uh, uh, foot on the pedal at all times. Drew, what's your take on Jackson State this year? What you've seen from them? Uh, you know, you were the one that at first uh, coined uh, th- this thing as sort of UConn-esque, but uh, – what, what's your take on what you've seen? Uh, I, I honestly, assuming they win the SWAC tournament, which will be a tremendous disappointment if they win the SWAC tournament, I truly do not think we will understand the greatness of this Jackson State's women's team, along with uh, Misha Williams and Deja Rogan, for probably another decade because from the outside looking in, they have made this look so easy. They've only been tested one time coming down the stretch, and that was that game, uh, what was that, two weeks ago, Charles, two weekends ago, when they had, uh, uh, had the one-point 
Yeah, Texas Southern when when there was the foul, no foul, should have been called, should it have not been called. But at, other than that, how many games have they played within? First of all, within ten points. Then for that to be there, like the, their only one possession game in the in the SWAT, and you're talking about teams who are familiar with each other. It's not like they don't know what Jackson State is going to do. This is the same group of uh, girls that have been together, girls, young women that have been together for two or three years. This is the same coach. So you know the game plan. You know what each one of these bring to the table. And the fact that no one is able to consistently come up with a game plan to challenge Jackson State uh it is it, tremendous, and I really don't think we're gonna we're gonna appreciate that. The people in Jackson, I don't even think the people in Jackson may appreciate this for another for another ten years, but definitely the people on the outside won't appreciate this to that to that reunion team gets together. And here's the question: Jackson State goes through twenty one game winning streak. Will they get off of the sixteen line? Number one. They get off that 16 line, and then with the expanded uh, tournament going to 68 teams, also on the women's side, how high up can they go as far as seed? Can they get to a 14? Can they get to a 13 where they can make a realistic run in the national tournament? Let's uh, let's let's table that towards the end of this segment, but keep that question in mind, uh, fellas. Doc, uh, Doc, want to come to you. And uh, the, the season on the women's side has been all about Jackson State. How do you frame what you have seen uh, this season from Jackson State? Uh, in terms of Jackson State specifically, um, is really their greatness and their ability to maintain. Um, obviously, the games of late have been a little closer. Uh, mixed in there, but they seem to be getting healthier. This is also a team of champions, and so they know how to win, how to respond to adversity when you're on the road against Texas Southern University. In terms of a championship coach, um, they found a way to get championship team does. Being um, first time of this season, they were down at half uh, over the weekend in the second half and pushed. Um, Vic close out against a rivalry in such fine. I, I think it's all about Jackson State in terms of to finish and get it done. And my expectation is that they will. If there's anything to happen, you would think it might be in a type matchup where you're trying to get used to the facility and the rims and things of that nature. But they're so dominant in terms of the team that got in at you see that being much of a problem. And after that, I think tournament, I guess we'll get in a little more. I think where it uh, is the rest of the swag in terms of two, three, C, what they want, because you want to stay away from Jackson State in your game and you'll take your chances there. So those two, be uh, obviously two versus seven and that's where you want to see where it got in. And everybody was jockeying. Got interest, and you've seen the ups and flows. 
teams. Maybe they'll have a little bit of the fan crowd with them. And so that's watching the tournament as well. Uh, just a couple of uh, <clears throat> just a couple of interesting notes that I when I was digging up looking at this season for Jackson State uh, in terms of points scored offensively they average eighty two point two points per game uh, giving up fifty six point four points per game in conference so let me start overall overall. Their margin of victory has been, uh, or margin of points is 18 points a game. That's the average. In conference, it's been 25.8. I, I don't think I've ever seen such a tremendous margin except by elite teams. So that just lets you know in conference, it's almost been seven a touchdown better than just non-conference or overall in general. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, they scored... They scored 80 or more points 14 times this year. They scored 90 or more points five times. And, of course, they just finished scoring 100 to close out. As if you needed to know that they could get to 100, they just said, yeah, we're going to double up our opponent by putting up 118 on Valley. So that's just how nasty this team is. And uh, so – uh, the question I'm going to ask, the next question I'm going to ask all of you is, now, this is a traditional eight teams, everybody plays three. But I've sort of been one of those people that have long felt that if conferences with one bid, like the SWAC, uh, into the NCAA tournament would be better served finding a way to make sure their best team gets into the tournament. Would the SWAC have been better served maybe coming around in February uh, and doing sort of a double buy so that the one and two seed get a double buy. What it would look like is what you see in the OVC. You're, you're looking, Charles, like, what? So here's how this would work. The one and two seed would automatically start in the semifinals, <laughs> right? The three and four would start in the quarterfinals. And the other four teams would start in the opening round, so to speak. So that means, you know, whoever's the 10 seed or the 8 seed would have to play, uh, let me see, four games to win a title. So basically you'd end up with two games, then another two, and then it would lead you to your semifinals. So I bring you to that and say, I know, you know, what, I, know it's, I know it's not likely, but would the SWAC have been better served? And that way it kind of puts Jackson State, your best team, a little bit closer to a championship. What are your thoughts on that outrageous uh, uh, scenario I just threw at you, Charles? Well, isn't that the beauty of March Madness um, in that you can have a Cinderella story? So I, I tend to lean towards uh, the, those elite teams still having to play things out whether uh, in the quarterfinals because uh, that's what we've been – drawn to with regards to March Madness, the Cinderella story, whether an eight can take down a one or a seven can take down a two in the early rounds or whatever the case might be. And it draws you into the rest of the tournament as to whether, you know, these uh, uh, quote unquote lesser teams can make this this run at the right time. So I, I kind of like that format. What do you what do you think, Doc, about the idea of a double buy for Jackson State? And, and uh, the two seed is uh the two seed is Alabama A&M. So what do, you, what do you think about the thoughts on the double buy? I think it's fascinating for discussion um, in 
interest in terms of what the conference is thinking about. Uh, I think it would have worked to a large extent on the women's side of the draw because it's easy to see the season that Jackson State uh, dominated the conference in far but I think it would be um, uh, major on the men's side because I don't think there's that much separation between the two. Now, this is the other thing that's interesting with that framework, though. I would be intrigued about looking at the numbers and seeing in that format, how many times has the number one seed won it in that format? Mm -hmm. People talk about the fact that oftentimes, if you're a team to play, they are tend to be a little more warm. Uh, they understand you're playing at a neutral site. They feel comfortable at that facility. But think about this. In that format, I would wonder if it actually does the three and four seed maybe a little more advantage because they're playing and get a game to play. Then they turn around under their belt and they come back and play on a number two seed uh, that's been off uh, for a week. Um, is not lathered up and in that momentum. And if things get tight, it's really uh, make a team desperate in terms of understanding. So I would be interested in the numbers because I can see it both ways. Teams that you're giving your team that automatic bid to the semifinals, that really helped the team in regards to what is the record of the semifinals when it comes up because you normally think they're going to be playing the fourth seed conference. You know, there may not be, again, may not be that much room between the one and the five seed. So you're really helping them when they played at least a game uh, going into it. Mm -hmm. Drew, what's your thoughts on the idea of a double buy? I think it will put even more emphasis on the regular season and make the battles in the regular season even more tremendous because now you're playing for that buy, that double buy, you know, there's, there's even more of a uh, a uh an advantage of winning or placing second in the conference so you think you had some battles now and people just playing just to get in and let's be real some teams are just playing to just get into the tournament but when you know you get that extra day off or the two extra days off especially going down the stretch when you've got those tired legs and uh you're not healthy you know I think it's going. To, I think it would be interesting to see uh, to to see those teams ballot out. But the one thing that I would not like about it in the SWAC is because of the unbalanced schedule. Would, would that even become even more of a factor with that with that double back? You know, uh, how, how how would that play into into this? Good, uh, I good really like the idea of your question is that to me, if you're not playing in a conference where everybody I think you can do some disservice um, and not and, and some teams that just play a team one time uh, while another they end up playing a tougher schedule and they playing home and away and they can end up but be better than the team that's sitting in first place that hasn't only team at home. Right, right, and and I, I I do like the fact that 
the SWAC uh, does, does not invite everyone to the dance, first of all. So that does put a little bit of pressure on the SWAC regular season because, <laughs> you know, only eight teams get to come instead, instead of 12. You know, we, we see some conferences that let, that let everybody get in and use that double buy to their advantage to draw those fans in, to get to get more money. You know, the only way the double buy would work, Brian, is if all 12 teams got into the into the SWAC tournament. Then it would be a tremendous advantage having that double buy. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and, again, this is something that I had never thought of uh, until I saw – uh, the OVC and the West Coast Conference, whatever conference Gonzaga's in, when I saw them go to that format, I was I was shocked. And the initial reaction was like, oh, but then I understood why they did it uh, or why they do it because, you know, look, you've got Gonzaga, you've got Murray State. Uh, those are teams that many people think can get a nice run to the Sweet 16 or further. And it was like, yeah, we want them to get to the tournament. We don't want to make – we don't want them to get saddled by an upset. So uh, I know it's about. I used to think like you, Charles, and think that March was about the Cinderellas. But then I realized, the yes, though. Yeah, I'm like they. That's when you get to the Sweet Sixteen, those two conferences, because those two teams are getting in anyway. Right, right, the yeah. Rockets, you know, they, it's, you know, they don't have to win it; they're gonna get in. And if you're talking about Belmont, that was in the OVC uh, in Mitch Murray in terms of top twenty-five team. They're getting in the tournament regardless, so it's not like you have that much need to really protect your seed. In fact, it could actually help the conference, oddly enough, if that team doesn't get in because now you're going to get two teams in. You're going to get the automatic team and that Murray State this year, Belmont and the other one, Gonzaga, if they don't win. You know, in fact, in a lot of cases, when you're talking about the Big West, they're liable to get three teams in because over the couple of years, St. Mary's and Gonzaga's had the ability to get in as an at-large. So I'm not sure how beneficial it really was in terms of them because those teams, by the time they get it, their seating is uh, pretty much solid. They may get a half bump in terms of where they're going to be seated because they won the regular season in the tournament. But I'm not sure for those conferences, it means a lot. Now, in the Southland, they used to do it, and obviously of late, they were playing in Katy, but before that, I think it was tremendously beneficial because they used to have the team that get the double by. They used to play at home. Mm. Now that's an advantage. Yeah, that's a true advantage right there. Yes, sir. All right, let's move over to our superlatives now, where we give who now obviously as of this recording. The SWAC has not released player of the year, coach of the year, all SWAC teams. So we kind of get a chance to be ahead. We're, none of us are part of the what I call the SWAC cabal, the group that makes these votes. Uh, so I, to my knowledge, I don't know, Doc, Doc kind of looking away, so I don't know. Uh, but we, none of us no, are voters. Charles, Charles Bishop then slid over there and get, got all that insight now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we <laughs> what we are going to do is we're going to give our superlatives. You saw that. You see I know. I saw that. He just laughed. Look down. Uh, so sure our player of the year. Yeah, there's the SID over there. So the SID did leave, so he might be filling up the paperwork for the SID while he, you know, at the in between SID. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, I've seen weirder things, you know. 
Breaking bad thing we break news. Radio games, you know. I'm like, what all is coming from? It can't make no shows and stuff. Like, right. Oh, yeah, right. Do <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's give our player of the year our top five all SWAC players, uh, regardless of position. I mean, I don't think the SWAC has a mandate where they try to pigeonhole a, a certain number. I think they just go uh, top players. So we'll go with our top five, who we think should be on the all SWAC first team, and then our coach of the year. So uh, let's start with players of the year. Uh, let's go around the horn. Um, I'll finish up last. So we'll start with you, Charles. Who who would you vote or who would you say is the uh, SWAC women's player of the year? I think undoubtedly the most dominant player in the SWAC women's basketball this past season has been Amisha Williams Holiday. Uh, she has been um, uh, tremendous in terms of scoring the basketball, rebounding the basketball. She averages a double-double. And when Jackie say that absolutely needs a bucket, uh, she is the most clutch performer, I think, on the court. Doc, who's your MVP? I'm a simple because uh, Charles Bishop is doing his thing. Amisha, I'm uh, she's dominated the conference. She's done it in multiple. Rebounding, so without a doubt, I think that's a who's player of the year for the women. How about you, uh, Drew? Oh, we might as well make this unanimous, my brother, because uh, she 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 is yeah. she is everything. She's the she's the engine that makes that uh, Jackson State motor go. Mm. Yes, indeed. Uh, like you said, uh, straight straight sweep around the horns of Misha Williams Holiday. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, it was Deja Rogan who was the MVP last year uh, for for uh, for the for the SWAT. Um, the, and, and when you look at the numbers, um, Amisha Williams averages twenty point six points per game. I'm giving conference stats now um, in the conference, which is actually number two in the conference. Uh, she has 11.5 rebounds per game, which is number two, surprisingly. But she does have a field goal percentage of uh, about 59%, uh, number one in blocks. And then, of course, uh, she's on the number one team in the conference that just went unbeaten. So I, I don't think uh, anybody can look away and go with anyone other than uh, Williams. So uh, I would be shocked if she's not unanimous, put it like that. So moving over to all SWAC players, assuming that Williams is on the all SWAC first team, who are four other names that you would put on the first team? Uh, Charles, start with start with you. Uh, four other names. I would go with Texas Southern's Adriana Avent. Uh, I would follow that up by Gramlins. I think Alexis Hope uh, should be there. Uh, UAPB Zay Green. Uh, she's a very underrated player, but uh, you talk about somebody who gets it done night in, night out. And then I would go with between Nigeria Jones and Deja Rogan. I think Nigeria Jones has had a tremendous season this year for Alabama AM. Uh, they are one of the hotter teams coming into uh, the SWAG tournament. So I'll, 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 I'll tip towards Nigeria Jones. Okay. All right. Interesting uh, four there. Uh, Hope from Grambling, Green from UAPB, 
uh, Jones of Alabama A&M and uh, Rogan uh, from JSU. All right, Doc, uh, how would you fill out the, the your SWAC first team? We'll also go with Texas Southern, Adriana Advent. Uh, I like Ramlin State, Alexis Holt, but I'm going to go over to Alabama A&M on the defensive side of the ball in terms of rebounding, leading is uh, uh, um, in terms of what she's been able to get done. Uh, um, and I'm going to go – I was looking at um, three-point because that's where the game is. Go with uh, Alabama State's Shamia. And then I'm going to come back and go down with – in a lot of ways, Jack's been so strong. I just feel like you got to go with Deja Woodard. The one so player in a lot of ways is Williams, but that's been a, a two-headed monster in terms of just with uh, Deja Woodard as well in terms of the round out. Uh, go back for me a second, Doc. Who did you say uh, from um... – from A and M, if I think I had, so you had you had Dariana Lewis, uh, and then who'd you have after that? I had, had Amisha Williams. Yep. Adriana Avant, and then I'm going against uh, Alexis Holt. Okay, Avant. Avant is at uh, what school again? Texas, Texas Southern, um, as you saw what they were able to do, is because they, um, they lead the, right there and they're top in the nation in terms of talking about being able to at least be able to play with Jackson State in a lot of ways. Certainly right. offensively, they're going to get it up. Um, they can get Going. Obviously, I would have Bridges maybe just outside of that. Another one of the scoring one two punches for Jack for uh, Texas Southern University, but she would be just outside of my top five. Okay, all right. Um, okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, Drew, let me hear. Uh, let me hear your five. Your other four. Uh, got we got to go old schools players who were on that last year. Uh, Shamaya Ward and uh, Dariana Lewis. Uh, definitely want to put those two on the list. Uh, obviously, obviously, Deja Rogan. Uh, although she missed a couple of games, she still had a uh, a, tremend- a tremendous year. And my uh, my fifth spot, I think I'm going to go with Diana Rosenthal from Prairie View. You know, she's one of the uh, like tops in uh, field like goal percentage. She's one of the top at three-point percentage. She's top 10 yep. in school. So I'm going to go a little bit off the radar with that and go with uh, Rosenthal from Prairie View for my, for my fifth one. She's okay. my seventh okay. off the board, so I like I, I can see that. Yeah, Diana Rosenthal has been tremendous. I, I like the diversity of everyone's picks because I know I had a challenging time coming up with my with my five, and so I, I love to hear. And you guys are all have names that I considered. Uh, I think we all agree with uh, Andriana Avent 
Uh, that's the one here consensus of uh, Texas Southern. Um, she did lead the conference in scoring in conference games, 20.9 per game. Uh, shot 45% from the three-point arc, number one from uh, 3.4 uh, a game. And and so, yeah, I have her on there. I also have Dariana Lewis, who's the only other player outside of Amisha Williams to average a double-double. Uh, Lewis averaged 17.7 and was number one in 12 uh, rebounds per game with 12.3. Uh, I also... You know, I don't know, it might be a little, I don't know if it's controversial, but I went, uh, Ataya, is it Ataya Bridges? I went with Bridges uh, on there as well. I mean, for the amount of minutes, she was number three in minutes per game. She had number, she was number two in assists per game at 5.9. She scored 18.9 points a game, which was number three. So, I mean, she's right there behind Williams and Avent. And she was number one in total assists with 112. And so that was sort of my debate a little bit between her and a few other people. And my fifth, I, I was trying to, I was trying to look at Rogan and I actually went with Ayana Emanuel uh, with averaging 18.1 a game uh, ending Ooh. the season with two of the top scoring performances where she scored 41 against Bethune Cookman and 36 against Alabama A&M. And, you know, I, I wrestled with, you know, Rogan, but I didn't know how many the injuries and how many games missed. I know she only started uh, like maybe 11 games. And so I, I don't know. I just, I mean, Rogan obviously will be first or second team. If she's not first, she'll be second team. So uh, that, that was sort of my five. Um, so let's go around to coach of the year. Uh, I'll start it off. I think coach of the year is easily Tamika Reed. Uh, she didn't win coach of the year last year. Uh, I find it hard to deny going unbeaten and a historic season, uh, not giving coach of the year to Tamika Reed. Uh, what do you say, Charles? Uh, yeah, I think it's an easy choice. Got to go with Tamika Reed this year. Doc, who you got? Because I didn't wasn't going to be coach Tamika Reed that she has my vote. And Drew? Look, this is one of those years where it's just, it's just going to be unanimous. You know, just like Phil Jackson with the 72 win uh, Bulls, you got to give it to Tamika Reed. You know, there's the question is who comes in second? Yeah. Well, right. Good uh, question. More importantly, nobody remembers second, though. But anyway, uh, the congratulations. Hopefully, it'll Nicole be Coach Reed. Second I think. remembers it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so true. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, right. you, you know, it's like it's like all those years uh, when uh, Carl Malone and Charles Barkley kept finished behind Jordan. You know, Jordan won the MVP. Who, 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 who was second? That's all you need. That's all you remember doing all those days. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's get into these matchups. The eight matchups. Um Starting on, um, let me make sure I pull up the schedule here. All the games begin on March 9th. Uh, well, uh, let's see, Bartow Arena in Birmingham, Alabama. So let's go, the two games that start on March 9th. We've got the one C Jackson State. Now they play at 5.30 Eastern, or excuse me, 5.30 Central. That's uh, 6.30 Eastern. They take on UAPB, uh, the eight seed. Uh, when these two teams played head-to-head, of course, 
Jackson State won both contests. The first time on February 7th, UAPB, uh, it was at UAPB, Jackson State won by 14. The second time, uh, they only won by seven. It's one of three games that uh, somebody stayed within 10 points of, or 10 points or less against Jackson State. And uh, so, and uh, that was the game, that was the game UAPB had to lead at half. Is that right? It is. So, so Jackson State UAPB round number three uh, is scary because I, I UAPB getting closer, getting closer and closer. Uh, they had a lead at half. Uh, Charles, what's your? You don't have to give any predictions or anything, but what's your what's your analysis of this contest? Something to watch, something to pay attention to. Uh, UAPB, they're a very dangerous team, very scary team. They've been inconsistent. Yeah, uh, well, to me, it is. I mean, when you stop and take a look at this UAPB team, Zay Green, she's a former McDonald's All-American, and she literally, she can get to the, to the, to the, uh, get in the lane and create. So she can score. Uh, She's averaging close to 14 points a game. They have a good rebounder, and Maya Pete, she just happened to get into uh, foul trouble in the second game against Jackson State, but Maya Pete, is an individual who can rebound the ball. And don't forget they have on their team former SWAC Offensive Player of the Year, Joyce Kennerson, who's finally a little more healthy. So Joyce Kennerson can give you double digits if she gets hot. So this is a very dangerous 1-8 game, I think. I, I think, obviously, Jackson State will win, but uh, it's just one that they can't overlook. And trust you me, uh, UAP, uh, UAPB definitely has Jackson State's attention, uh, definitely after playing them this uh, second go-round uh, in the AAC. Exactly. Only six days would have passed since the last time they played. So, yeah, everything will still be fresh in everybody's mind. Uh, Doc, what's your thoughts on this one versus eight matchup? Good Did I lose, Doc? I lost. I lost. He, oh, wait a minute. There he is. No, I think Charles is just good at what he does in terms of the pregame show. You see, he's sure you tune in to Jackson. State and make sure you listen to his call. But I, I don't want to hear it. I mean, it's just Jackson State is going to get it done. This is a one versus eight, which tells you that Arkansas Pine Bluff hasn't been consistent all year long. And you're going to tell me all of a sudden they're going to be consistent against the number one team for four quarters? I can't see it. They'll be fortunate, like they did on the road, um, to give Jackson State a good first half, you know, two quarters. After that, Jackson State is going to do what they do. Um, they are in it. Um, to win it, just to be frank. And, you know, I know those gets terms are like that, but this is a team that's really focused. And they're going to be even more focused going into this tournament. They want to do something special uh, for Doc, for Tamisha Reed uh, in terms of what's going on there. Tamika Reed, I should say, excuse me. Um, and for themselves, they want to be in the record book. They see all the stuff that's going on with Jackson State. They see the kind of love that Coach uh, Prime is getting. They want some of that, and they deserve some of that. They're going to come out there focused, and they're going to get it done. Um, and you can't sell me on this one versus eight seed. It's going to be the one that's going to give uh, Jackson State some problems. Semifinals? Maybe finals? No. Nah, uh, quarterfinals? Man, get out of here. No. <laughs> I don't Drew, what, uh, what say you? One versus eight matchup. Don't make any reservations if you're from uh, Arkansas. No hotel reservations. Drive in, 
prepare to drive home because you will not be staying. No, they don't have to worry about it. It's already hard to get hotels in Birmingham right now anyway. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, moving over to the, the two versus seven matchup. This is also on March 9th. This one's 11 a.m. I think this one may be the first game of the day. 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. Alabama A&M, seven games in a row. We talk about teams that are hot. Alabama A&M, seven wins in a row to kind of separate from the rest of the conference and earn that two seed, finish 13-5. and five. Grambling, the seven seed, 10-8 and eight conference record. Um, Grambling won the first matchup back in February by a score of 81-72. What's interesting is after that loss, that's when Alabama A&M went on a seven-game win streak and then including a 55-50 to 50 win against A&M in the uh in the second uh in the second meeting and so uh charles your thoughts on the two versus seven matchup you know uh grambling can be scary and and we've seen grambling uh really uh throw a monkey wrench in some teams plans from time to time but like you mentioned alabama a&m they got hot at the right time of the year uh some people kind of debate uh who they got hot against they do have wins against kind of the, the bottom order of, of the conference in Valley, Bethune-Cookman and Florida A&M, but uh, a great homestand against uh, Grambling and Southern. So um, it's, I think it's going to be tough for Grambling to, to overcome Alabama A&M because I, I like the way they score the ball. Now, Jerry Jones and Darion Lewis, they are one of the toughest one-two punches, I think, in the swag. So I, I'm going to go with Alabama A&M. What about you, Doc? They got to win against the tough team that you say they're going to give Jackson State problems on high bluff. So be consistent. With that being said, they do have the Alabama State rivalry to pay back there. They got against Southern team that y'all all say that we need to fear that's out there that always gives Jackson State a fight, but now all of a sudden. But, no, I'm a, on this one, you're going to sell me on any of them that may be close. I feel you, Charles. This one you I uh, make you're a little bit believable, uh, you know. To the other <laughs> stuff that you said, the one get out of here. I just want to make sure you remind you don't do that no more. With that, being said, oh, I, uh, I think this is a <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I I, I watched it up close. No, I'm no, like, no, 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 team, no. They, uh, they I, match up with Jackson State. I thought you dude. were gonna say cut his mic, cut his mic. I thought he was gonna say something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> entertaining in regards to what you're saying they did split in the season and the games have been relatively close even the uh, one that Alabama won back at home so these two used to have you know styles that make fights it's gonna be interesting when you look at this matchup I it's that early game and you're not used to playing those 11 o'clock games so who is going to be able to get in the groove uh, and get comfortable first uh, will probably be the team that's going to find a way to stick it out, both find a way to get the run. But I think the team that jails and kind of gets the sleep out of the eye, if you would, early in the morning, I'm going to. Uh, Drew, uh, what do you have? Uh, what are your thoughts? Two versus seven matchup here. Like I, I'm supposed to answer your two versus seven and your three versus six in, in one frame. You will not beat these Alabama teams in the first round in Birmingham because 
that those alumni will take off of work and, and, and drive over to the arena and support their, their schools right there. Those two teams have a home court advantage as far as fandom. You know, they have more fans there than all of the other teams combined on day one. Now, day two and three, everybody else will start showing up as we get closer to the weekend. But on day one, Alabama State, Alabama a and you, you, you won't deny either one of these two teams. All right, well said. Uh, I'm 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 rolling with uh, I'm I'm all behind Dariana Lewis and A and M, uh, and so then moving over to the three seed that you just mentioned, Alabama State and Prairie View is the six seed. Uh, Prairie View finished nine and eight. They play the first game on Thursday um, at eleven a.m. and uh, they only mm. played once during the season. This is one of the four matchups where you only had one time that they played each other. Prairie View won that game 61 to 58. Uh, so we want, we already know where Drew thinks is going to happen. So, uh, Charles, I'll go to you and then Doc. I watched Prairie View get hot from the three point line. And if they stay hot from the three point line, they can put a charge in anybody. Uh, and I think that this will be a, a tough one for Prairie View. But yeah, I'm going to go with Alabama State, uh, be having the home court advantage, things of that nature. But uh, yeah, don't, don't 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 let the Panthers get hot. They started out six of six against Jackson State, so uh, I've watched them just nail three pointers at nausea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you uh? What, what what's your take, Doc? How did they finish? They went. They started six of six. How did they finish? <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't finish good, but yeah, they started out. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows I, I don't, I'm not a homer, but to Prairie View, I think really hard. They're going to play hard in this game, but that's the problem they have. And teams will leave them open and they'll pack the center because they can't look. So I think they'll have a chance to maybe kind of keep it close shots, but they're just not consistent enough to hit from the three. They have to have one of the better uh, three pointing. Uh, games all season to stick with Alabama State, particularly with Alabama So they're going to make it a slugfest. They're going to make it, make it tough. So I do think it has a boss's chance that they they play some. So if they get enough turnovers and get a couple of easy baskets, I think they'll closer. So I'll, I'll listen to Charles selling me on that. But if you get hot from the three, oh, that's hogwash. That, that hasn't happened all all right um so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna hang with alabama state here i'm going chalk so far in the first three games now this is interesting the four or five matchup you gotta at least it's that's point always you get to this is the one yeah right two teams with an 11-7 record southern and texas southern uh they split during the regular season Southern won the first meeting at home by 10. Texas Southern won the rematch at home by 10. Uh, I'll, I'll go to Doc first here. Uh, Doc, what's what's your take on this 4-5 matchup? I'm going to go with Texas Southern. I'm going to start there. And I saw Charles looking at me like, no, you're not He said he's not a homer. Being close. And, you, and you're exactly <laughs> But this is right. 
if you look at the rec- if you look at the record, Southern has been struggling of late. They played really yeah. hot early, and that's what you're looking at is their overall record. But something is going yeah. on with that Southern team. I don't know if it's legs, a little bit of injury there, but they haven't played really good basketball in the second half of the season. Uh, on the other hand, Texas Southern has. They played, as you saw, they took Jackson State to the wire. Um, they played their rival. Yes, Prairie View got them, but that's a rivalry game, and they were right there with them, and they only have seven on the bench. They got a little time to get a little rest. They went up uh, to Birmingham early, so they're going to be up sitting on there, and then you got Coach Cooper. Coach Cooper is a championship-level coach. She's going to get this team to play well, and if any team you want to keep your eyes on, uh, making it through the tournament and least giving Jackson State, you know, what we call a proverbial punch's chance. I think it's Texas Southern University. And they've showed it. So this team is also going to come in if they can get to that uh, championship game, if you would. Um, uh, and quarterfinals game is where they, I mean, semifinals game is where they would see them. Um, if anybody has a bunch of chances and is going to knock out Jackson State, I think it's Texas Southern because they play a tempo and they can score at least to give Jackson State some problems, and they're going to have the confidence. I'm not sure how many other teams that are going to come in with real confidence. You'll come in some of them uh, that have that women bravado, if you would, in terms of what that looks like, uh, but this will be false when it comes with Jackson State. This is the only team that I think can play with them for a couple of reasons that I outlined. But I think in this matchup, I'm going with Texas Southern over Southern. Drew, what's your take on this 4-5? I, I, I kind of concur with, with Doc. It's going to depend on whether this is first half Southern team that shows up or second half Southern team that shows up. Texas Southern has definitely the hotter of the two Southern teams right now, Texas versus the traditional Southern team. Uh, numbers say, but the only thing that scares me is how deep will Texas Southern be? Okay. And with the potential back to back to back of a of a tournament, three games in three days, three games in four days, depending on how the uh, bracket falls. Even if Texas Southern is able to win this first round game, how much would they have left in the tank for 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 a second round matchup against Jackson State? That's the question that I have. You know, especially if Southern pushes pushes them uh and, and honestly whichever one of these teams if this is a one possession game or it comes down to overtime game how much will either one of these teams have left in the tank on day two of the time mm-hmm. charles your take on the four or five matchup yeah i i concur with everyone i, I think uh texas southern is the team to watch for in this tournament uh the depth of texas southern's team is something that concerns me uh because uh uh, when you take a look at uh, their scoring punch after Talia Bridges and, and Adriana Aven, uh, it, it, it goes down. You, you're going to have to have a, a third score, whether it's uh, Elisa Knight or Jada Perry, uh, giving them uh, some extra scoring punch. But they do play a style of play. They get up and down the court. They score buckets. Uh, but it, it concerns me going forward into uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, where their legs might be. Uh, going forward uh, in, in terms of taking on those those top teams, taking on the Jackson State, Alabama a and Alabama State. So, uh, I, But I do think they can get through Southern. Southern, for whatever reason, uh, the second half of the season, they have not looked like the typical Southern team, uh, the scrappy Southern team that gets right. after you on defense and, and, and hits timely shots. Uh, uh, they, they've been a, a sort of a mislink, if you will, in the second half of the season. Uh, <clears throat> one of the I things agree. that – 
Yeah, one of the things that I noticed here is that we talk about scheduling. The one and two seeds do get an extra day should they win. So they do get an off day, which is on the Thursday. And now that means anybody else is playing. Uh, obviously, the three, four, five, and six seeds are playing three consecutive games. Um, so that's sort of that. We talked about the double buy. Uh, uh, thing. Well, the one and two seeds, if you win your first game, you get an extra day to watch your opponent. Also interesting, the schedulers made a point is if you play 11 a.m. in game one, you will play 11 a.m. in the semifinals. If you play at 530 in the first round, you play at 530 in the second round. I thought that too was also good. So that way nobody gets a competitive advantage of having to play late one night on day two and early on day three. So that's also kind of interesting. Uh, Last question here, guys. Uh, As you think ahead for this tournament, the one thing that kind of worries me, Jackson State has the toughest possible outcome uh, that they have to look at. I mean, it's not like they get an easy opening round game. UAPB did play within seven led potentially in a second round matchup they play texas southern the team who they only beat by a point and then in the third game in the championship they're potentially playing the number two seed possibly or the three seed who they beat in the championship last year so i think we all think jackson state can win the championship maybe not all of us but I'll ask this question. Who is your predicted winner? And if it's not Jackson State, who is it? Uh, So I'll start with you, Drew, and I'll let Charles think about it last. So I'll come to you, Drew. Well, you know, at uh, BCSN and the Sports Wrap, we we always go to the computers to uh, help us out on these things. And the computer gives Jackson State a 66% chance to win the tournament, which is the best odds of any of the eight teams. And just to show you how good those odds are, the 66% chance, it's giving Alabama State 4%, Alabama A&M 3%, Texas Southern and Southern 4% chance. So it it has Jackson State as a prohibitive favorite to win. So I'm going to... I've leaned on the computers all, all season long. I'm going to lean on the computer again uh, today. 66%. So it's Jackson State or bust. Nobody, huh? Jackson State or bust. All right, Doc. Jackson State or question mark? It's Jackson State. Uh, I'll play along with you. It sounds uh, boring if we all say the same thing. So I'm going to go to the team that played the closest this season. If anybody has a chance. If it's going to happen, it's not going to happen in the championship game because it's the opening or the final. So if it's going to happen, it'd be a semifinal. Be against Southern and Texas Southern. I picked Texas Southern over Southern. And, uh, as uh, Texas Southern would be. The- I don't believe it, but I'm saying it. <laughs> makes it, makes it good uh, podcasting. 
Right, right. Um, Charles, I'll reframe the question to you and say, if if uh, who who out there is the biggest challenger to Jackson State walking uh, walking home with uh, with a twenty one twenty one and zero record this year? Who is the biggest challenger? Who's the team that that worries you the most? Uh, the I know where he worries because he most. saw it on the baseball field. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I have a default to go into a summer. <laughs> but uh, I think the team that worries me the most would be Texas Southern because I know they can score. But I don't think that Atai hmm. Bridges and Adrian Ivan are going to go for 30-plus again. Both of them had 30-some-odd uh, yep. points in that second game against Jackson State. The team that I think probably I matches up best with Jackson State is probably Alabama a and they can score and they can rebound the body. And this is what Jackson State does. They beat you up on the boards, you know. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the things. That's that's the team that I actually think uh, with Dariana Lewis and, and Nigeria Jones that they have the, the, the talent, they have the components that most looks like Jackson State. All right, there it is. Uh, let's take a break, come back. Let's get into the men's side of things right after this break. Uh, you're watching the uh, BCSN SWAC basketball tournament preview. We'll be back in just a moment. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. All right, welcome back to our BCSN 2022 SWAC basketball tournament preview. Uh, Now we get into talking about the men. <clears throat> the men's field, uh, Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew here, along with Charles Bishop and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. And uh, so the first thing we'll, we'll set for you is we got the top eight seeds. Congratulations to Alcorn State winning their undisputed regular season title for the first time in 20 years. Uh, congratulations to Coach Bussey and, and that team. Uh, Alcorn did a great job. This year, really fun team to pay attention to. The two seed, Texas Southern, uh, finished up 
their regular season, 13 and five, just missed out on a potential tiebreak scenario. The three seed, Southern University. Uh, Southern actually kind of, for most of the first half of the conference schedule, were sitting in the one seed, and then they just kind of, uh, they just—I don't know—it just kind of, just kind of flamed. The flame got a little, got a little light there at the end of the season and dropped all the way down to the three seed. The four seed for the or, uh, Florida A&M University, their first year in the SWAC, um, coming in at the four seed, eleven and seven. The hot team right now might be the hottest team on the men's side. Might be Alabama A&M. Um, you know, I know Alcorn has won six in a row, but Alabama A&M, uh, they won three. Here's an interesting fact. They, uh, Alabama A&M won three of their first four to start. Then they lost six of the last, the next seven, and then they won six, uh, of seven to kind of close the year. Actually almost had a seven game win streak prior to losing the last game of the year. So I, that's why I kind of said might be one of the hottest teams. They are the five seed. Uh, the six seed, Grambling State, that's a team that's kind of cooled off a little bit. At one point, they were the four seed, battling even there at the three as high, if I recall. Uh, seven, how about this? Jackson State, coming from, I don't want to say nowhere, but uh, the, you know, some people wrote them as dead. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the news coach Wayne Brent deciding to retire and well, you know, Jackson State wins three in a row and find themselves in the seventh spot. So a great, great job. That's a it'll be interesting uh, matchup there. Uh, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll hear what kind of bets uh, Charles and Doc have uh, on the line in just a moment. And then the eight seed, <laughs> at one point we uh, we thought now, interesting enough, Prairie A&M is in by virtue of winning the tiebreak over Alabama State. Um, both of those teams finished nine and nine. Nope. Check that. Uh, yes. Nine and nine, both finished nine and nine. Alabama state, uh, lost to Prairie View and M back on January 22nd. The only time they played, uh, Prairie View won that game 70 to 67. Thus by rule of the head to head tiebreaker, Prairie View A&M is in. Alabama State is out. Um, I find that interesting because in our BCSM power ratings of all the SWAG teams, Alabama State was number six. Uh, Alabama A&M was number nine. So we talk about, you know, the the, the tiebreak rule. And, you know, sometimes you, you win by the tiebreaker, you lose by the tiebreaker. Uh, the unbalanced schedule does in Alabama State and helps preview get in. Uh, Charles, I'll come to you first. What's your take of uh, what's your hot take or what's the big takeaway from what you saw in the regular season? Uh, the emergence of Alcorn basketball in Atlanta. I mean, uh, I think they served notice that first weekend in swag play uh, with that 15 point win over Jackson State 65 to 50. And it was sort of a it made me turn my uh, attention towards Alcorn and uh, they have stayed consistent throughout the season. Uh, and uh, you, you give all the kudos to the Alcorn basketball team because I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the preseason rankings, uh, they were somewhere around six or seven, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, that was uh, surprising for Alcorn to do what they've done this past season, and uh, they've been tremendous. I have to give them credit. That was the big takeaway for me. 
Doc, what was your big takeaway from the regular season? Coach Bussey broke up the Texas two-step. You know, obviously, Mississippi with Jackson State last year got a punch in there in terms of least last year. But over the last uh, eight years, essentially resided in the state of Texas. So, assistant coach offer Coach Smith, and he goes off here. Essentially, he comes home with the championship years of the SWAT we've seen in in terms of just how deep it is. Oh, may not necessarily show it, but if you go back and look at the games uh, being played between different teams all year long, uh, Bussy, I think the second biggest takeaway is the fact that last year's regular season co-champions, Jackson seventh and eighth seeds this year. Um, nobody barely got into the tournament based on what did they um, over the last uh, week, particularly Jackson three game win streak. They needed those three games to get in the tournament. And lost three games. Essentially all of them were nail biters and close to some of the teams, but um, they're still playing pretty solid in terms of uh, the competitiveness of the games. Um, and that victory, as you said, at home against Alabama State way back in the first part of the season uh, was the difference in a game that was uh, did what Prairie did all year long. It was a close game, and they won down the stretch, finally getting that one done, unlike many of the other ones where they've actually lost down the stretch. So fascinating when you talk about the SWAT men's side of the tournament. Mm -hmm. Drew, what's your uh, takeaway from the uh, regular season in the SWAT? Preview backdooring their way into the tournament. And what do I mean by backdooring their way in? When I go back and look at their schedule, they had the first two games were forfeited due to COVID. They lost their next game coming back off of COVID. 1-1, one, one, lost 1, 1-3, one, three, lost 3, 1-4, lo lost their last 3. So Preview uh, backdoored their way uh, in, into the tournament by virtue of their, of their tie break. And Bethune losing to Florida A and M to not even worry about any other any other controversy. But here, here's something: Preview Alcorn first round. Preview split with Alcorn the uh, this season at Alcorn one by one point. Is that win all the way back in January going to mean something going into the going into this tournament? Coming off a three-game losing streak, I don't think so. But you have to throw it out there for discussion because they did uh, split split with Alcorn and uh, in the rematch in Texas, we know that Alcorn won 72-69. So one-point win for Prairie View, three-point three point win for Alcorn. That's the last ahead, team Alcorn. That is the last team Alcorn wants to see in the opening round. You do not want to I see agree. Prairie View. <laughs> I that, agree. That 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 eight one seed, and you take a look. That is a one point win for Alcorn uh, at home. A buzzer beater. Uh, uh, fifty foot. Uh, at fifty footer. A fifty foot buzzer beater. Exactly. 
Uh, so I, that is definitely, that is the one prime time, uh, to start things off. I think at 830 on ESPN plus that's the one everybody was going to want to see. And I tell you what, Prairie View, I think it's second in the swag and three point shooting They get high from behind the arc. They're going to scare everybody. And, and, and Charles, let me back up your statement on, on that. Uh, I, I ran the numbers of all the first round matchups. As far as uh, predictive wins, this game, the one-eight game, was the one that had the was closest. Fifty-two percent for Alcorn, forty-eight percent for Prairie View. That was the closest matchup wow. of all games, and you would think that would be reserved for a four-five matchup, being a fifty-eight-forty-two game. But the computers have it at fifty uh, fifty-two forty-eight. Just quickly going down. Fabu, 56%, uh, Alabama AM, 44%, Southern, 74%, Grambling, 20, 26%, Texas, uh, Texas Southern, 69%, Jackson State, 31%. Just to give you, just to show you how those numbers run, run in the uh, simulation. Well, the biggest one that stands out for those simulations is that, I want to add this before we go back to you uh, in terms of that. Talk about Prairie View just getting in, and I certainly could see how you would see in terms of losing three, but think about this. Um, they were one-on-one. Alcorn Street talked about what that looked like, uh, but they were 0-2 against both of them in terms of one-point loss. And then they Southern, the number three seed. They lose buzzer beater on the road to FAMU. They defeat Alabama a and they sweep Grambling State, and they lose 0-2 to Jackson State. So it just lets you know that they some of their best games against the tougher teams. They just had some luck in terms of those. Their record isn't in terms of considering when you talk about the first two games um, were four. So as I'm talking about, they beat Grambling the second time, obviously they forfeited the first time. If they get one of those and split it, you can see a team that doesn't just squeeze the term. The other reason it should scare you a little bit about Prairie. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shuffle the format a little bit, guys, since we already started talking about the matchups, and and since we're talking about the one eight matchup, I will say this: all of these first round matchups, I think these are all worst case scenarios for the for the top seed. I think if you had, yep. if you would ask all these top seeds. Who would you not want to play? I think one of the two teams would be who they are actually playing against. And uh, I will go through it. And I think, obviously, Alcorn, Prairie View, they split. I'll go one further. You guys talked about the close matchups. Do you recall the first matchup? Alcorn lost that game missing two free throws at the line with no time on the clock. Alcorn's right. Joshua Byron at the free throw line. Down one, no time on the clock after Prairie View had just hit a shot to go up one. He misses both free throws. Prairie View walks out the gym. Then you go to what we know, uh, that second contest. We have a potentially a game going to overtime, except what happens? Justin Thomas hits a 50-footer that sends Alcorn to a win. So uh, you, you've already talked about it. Uh, this is the... 8.30 p.m. matchup. 
And I think this might be one of the uh, – this is the primetime matchup. Everyone will be talking about this one for sure. Um, we'll, we'll come back to our predictions. Uh, if, if you want to go through predictions, we can do that now. Or we can come back through later. Um, but let's move over. Let me come over to the other two uh, – the other game that's uh, on March 9th. That's number two seed Texas Southern against seven seed Jackson State. And the reason I say this is a tough matchup for the top seed Texas Southern, they're going up against Jackson State, won three in a row. Their coach is retiring. Their coach is retiring. They were dead in the water until the rumors started coming out that Coach Brent was what? Going to leave. Now all of a sudden, what, what do you have? You got a team that's playing for something. They're playing to send their coach out on a on a hot note or a great momentum they've already split with uh let's see jackson state won the first contest in an amazing fashion in my in my opinion uh they at one point in the game they were down by uh i believe they were down by 10 at one point in the ball game to they went on a 10-0 run with about four to five minutes left in the ball game Closed the game out on a 19 to seven run to win uh, and, and beat uh, uh, tennis, uh, Texas Southern by three points. Uh, the second contest wasn't close as uh, Texas Southern won that one, 81 to 68. But uh, yeah, this this one has a good matchup here, and and so you know uh, I'll I'll go to you. I'll start with you, Charles. Uh, what's your take on uh, this matchup against Texas Southern? Uh, you know, uh, although um, uh, Jackson State does have a win against Texas Southern, uh, I think Coach Brenner will tell you that that's a tough matchup for Jackson State uh, just because Texas Southern is so big. Their front line, when you talk about guys like uh, Bryson Gresham, uh, Jordan Carl Nicholson, Yahoo Zarasas, uh, they really give Jackson State fits uh, inside the paint. Uh, and plus, uh, Texas Southern plays tremendous defense. I think in the first game, uh, you had a Cole Bryson, Etienne, and P.J. Henry, uh, but those guys came alive in the second game. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough matchup for Jackson State, but uh, Jackson State has got to get a point production uh, from somebody other than Javis McKinnis. You know with Javis McKinnis, you're going to typically get your double-double. Uh, he'll get you 10, 12 points. He'll get you 10, 12 rebounds. But they've got to have guys like Terrence Lewis step up. Uh, Terrence Lewis had a big game uh, in the first matchup against Texas Southern, but uh, nowhere to be found in the second matchup. Going to have to have a, a bigger game from Jonas James. And one of the things, I, I talked to a couple of Jackson State players, especially with news of Coach Brent uh, retiring. Uh, the guys feel, especially now, more so than at any point in the year, they're closer as a team, and they're playing for uh, each other. So that is a bit of an emotional lift. And you saw that, especially on the road, a huge road win that they had to have against Prairie View, and you saw it in stretches against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff where they were flat, and then they, they got some things going, and they seemed to pick up the entire bench. So it's going to be an interesting matchup, but it is a, a tough physical matchup for Jackson State. Doc, what's your take on this 2-7 matchup? Like you said, all of these matchups are just weird. Um, all of them have warts. Look at teams in terms of their records, and you think, hey, this team is better. But when you go inside the numbers and you look at particular matchups, um, there's looking at these particular games, and I was one of the coaches they would work doesn't shoot very well from the line. Uh, credit 
against big free throws down the stretch. But that's not regular uh, in their loss against Alcorn. They missed like 16 free throws. It's like 8, 10 free throws. Um, so in, in the game, and you know one thing that Jackson State and really all these matchups, these teams play tenacious, just don't come easy. There's not a lot of fast break, which can sometimes make these games a little stagnant and not exciting. Looking for an open, free-flowing game. But that means they're going to be, which means teams are going to have to hit from the outside. And you you don't have those type of shooters, I guess you could say, prayer um, over a period of game. But these are guys that you can also wear down on the court all day long and so it, that's how a lot of these teams these teams that get leads because they get tired after being running to get open shots so uh, this is another game in terms of the tournament I was saying early that the tournament is six deep any one of the top one uh, any one of can find a way uh, to win this tournament I've never seen anything matchups and so this is a matchup uh jackson and i'm just gonna call this one I'm gonna get upsets throughout this tournament so i'm bound to get a couple played the upset uh uh formula and so i'm gonna go you know just like i went prayer before the one eight okay uh let's go to the uh let's go to the three six matchup which is the Third game, that's Southern against Grambling. Um, Southern's the three seed. Uh, Southern, at one point, they uh, they're one of two teams with an overall record above five hundred. They're seventeen and thirteen overall, twelve and six right now in the uh, conference. But this is their this is as again we talked about. This is the team they didn't want to see because uh, under head coach Dante Jackson of Grambling. Uh, Grambling is nine and two all time against Southern. Nine and two. Uh, I mean, they. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he knows how to beat Southern. Grambling knows how to beat Southern. And again, this is not a Southern team that's been playing great. Um, the only thing probably working in their favor is that Grambling has lost four in a row. They've lost six in their last seven. Uh, the only team they beat in that seven-game stretch was guess who? Southern. So, I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know how Grambling – I don't know how Southern wins this game, but uh, I would tend to think if you're looking for an upset, it wouldn't be too it – wouldn't, it wouldn't be too far from reality to go here with Grambling. I don't know. This is a tough one. Charles, what's your take on this 3-6 matchup that plays uh, 2 o'clock on Thursday? Yeah, this is a tough matchup. I mean, um, Grambling has done what they needed to do against Southern this past year. Southern's a little bit, a little bit herky-jerky down the stretch. Um, and the, the losses to Grambling, I think, were most puzzling to me. Uh, one thing about Southern, I thought Mississippi Valley State shot three-pointers. Nah, Southern shoots three-pointers. Uh, they have the most three-point uh, field goal attempts in, in the conference. So uh, it's a question of if, if Southern is – hitting their uh, outside jumpers, uh, or whether they uh, can be dangerous going in this tournament. But uh, this is a- another one. I, I just 
you know, Doc mentioned it. Styles make fights. Grambling has something evil over Southern right now, basketball wise. I, I got to go with the Grambling Tigers in this. One. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you said that, uh, Doc. What's your take here? I'm gonna go with Southern in this matchup because again, I'm telling you, I'm playing the upsets, and you're saying, well, how you not going with Grambling because they're the bottom seed? Well, in this case, this is one of the inverted seeds. Because Grambling, as you talked about, have beat them twice. They've been relatively close games, but it's just something about it. Nine and two uh, in terms of coaches' overall record against Southern. Uh, so he does this. Something tells me that this is the one that Southern finally uh, hits some shots from the outside and they get it done. So I, I'm going to go in the inverted upset, if you believe in that, in regards to the fact that Southern finally gets it done as it's hard to beat a team three times during the season. Okay. Drew, what's your take here? Southern Gremlin, 3-6 matchup. Southern, losers of seven of their last nine. Their last win, though, was against Southern. (laughs) And I'm like everybody else. Matter of fact, they swept Southern. So, do they get three in a row against Southern? Or did you go with the adage, it's hard to beat a team three times? <sighs> you, you don't know what to do. And, Doc, I'm going to disagree with you on one thing. There is no such thing as an upset in on this men's side of this tournament. Because anybody who wins is not an upset to me. But uh, for the sake of not going chalk, I'm going to say Grambling gets, gets the three gets the three four this year. All right. What uh, here's an interesting stat to pay attention to when you watch this game. These are the top two free throw percentage teams in the SWAC. Grambling number one at seventy nine percent. Southern is number two at seventy two percent even. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if somebody fails at the free throw even though both of these two teams are excellent free throw shooting teams. Now let's go to the four or five matchup. Uh, Florida A&M, the four seed, 11 and seven record, Alabama A&M, 10 and eight. Uh, Alabama A&M has won six of their last seven. Uh, they lost the last game of the regular season. Probably should have been seven in a row. Uh, this was the one team I worried about FAMU playing personally. Uh, I would have rather Grambling State had won. Uh, because FAMU beat Grambling State twice. They split with Alabama A&M, although in one of those losses, uh, Alabama A&M went to the free throw line some ridiculous number of times in the second half, 25 times. So absolutely ridiculous. Um, Alabama Alabama A&M is one of the worst uh, three-point field goal percentage teams in the SWAC. So, look, I'm telling you now, this is a ner- this makes me nervous. This game, I will be on pins and needles. I'm going with FAMU, but I'm very nervous about it. Charles, who you got? Who's my other scoring punch at FAM beyond MJ Randolph? That's my question. Uh, I, I got to <laughs> find out who, who else gives you something else other than MJ Randolph because, I, like you mentioned, I, I, Alabama and him, they've been one of the hottest teams in the swag uh, coming down the stretch. So, yeah. Uh, I got to go. They aren't the baby Bulldogs anymore. I got to go with the full-fledged Bulldogs in this one. Okay. That's fair. Doc, who you got? 
Yeah, I'm going with the upset. You got to remember, this is an 8.30 game. FAMU is coming into the first tournament, eyes wide open. Yeah, they can give you the snake bite, but uh, they're going to um, have to kind of fix a bit in terms of that. And then, as we've said, and continue, this is just one of those years where your matchups just – and I just think that uh, Alabama A and M matches FAMU. Uh, obviously, they have a uh, uh, color. What he's able to do, he gets hot from the outside. But I think the out is going to really pull Alabama A and M over FAMU. The A and M in terms of scratch playoff. I know these LeBrons got to be on the court more than one game. I know that. <laughs> Look, well Conspiracy said. Well said. <laughs> uh, Drew, go ahead and help help balance this out, please. Brian, Look, oh, Drew. I see, I see, I see. Colonel Clark chiming in on uh, <laughs> on Facebook. Colonel Clark, don't kick me out the alumni association. But in February, FAMU has not been consistent, except on the wrong side, where they've had two L's in a row. They win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They beat Bethune Saturday. I hate to say it, Brian, the other a and is going to get us uh, in, in, in this game, man. I, 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 I hate to say it. I hope you don't. I hope you don't come confiscate all my green and orange. But uh, I got to go with the Bulldogs, man. I, I'm wow. You you guys are you got okay. Hey, uh, so now that it's well, here's what I ask. So let's go through. Let's make sure we give our predictions here on uh, who we see winning these opening round games. Um, let's just kind of quickly go around the horn. Who you have winning the four matchups? I've got. Uh, I'm going to go Alcorn, Texas Southern, FAM, and Grambling. Who you got, Charles? Uh, I'm going to abstain from one uh, okay. at Texas Southern, Jackson State. Uh, but I'm going to go Prairie View. Um, uh, I'm going to go – let me make sure I get them right here. I'm going to go Prairie View. I'm going to go Grambling. I'm going to go Alabama a Okay. Doc, how about you? No upset. So all the way through, I'm going Prairie View over all, all state over Texas Southern. Um, as I said, even I'm going with Southern over Gramlin because they. And then I'm going. The last upset is Alabama A&M over LeBron. Uh, unfortunately, can't get out of the quarterfinals of the tournament. Uh, Drew, and recap yours. Who you got? Uh, I, I've got Prairie View, the other A&M, Grambling, and Texas Southern. And I'm going to tell you about the numbers when we get when we get to the end to make our final prediction. Uh, all right. So as we make our predictions and say – who uh, who can win this thing, and how do we see this going? Um, and I don't know if you can accurately do that, having to abstain there, Charles. Uh, so, right. if you, if you can, who who, who does Jackson State play in the finals? Let's uh, do that. 
Well, no, stop it. I don't oh, think Okay. No, I mean, uh, he, 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 he what's your championship game look like? What's your championship game look like? Got to have Jackson State uh, well, with your I, somebody. Obviously, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm calling uh, games with Jackson State, so that, that's the reason why. But uh, I, I think if uh, if Jackson State were in, in the finals, I, I think they would uh, probably see uh, who. Ah, wow. Alabama A&M. Alabama A&M. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right, Doc. What's your championship game look like? Um, So, uh, Prairie View faces off against Southern. So, I'm going to go with Prairie View. I'm going to say we're going to have Prairie View no, you'd have Prairie View against Alabama A and M. Yeah, so I have Prairie View over Alabama A and M. So that puts them in the finals. And I have you got Jackson. Southern Jackson State. Southern Jackson State. Ooh, boy, that's an interesting one. I'm gonna go mm-hmm. with Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got Jackson and Prairie View <laughs> in the finals. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. <laughs> And no, All right. no, 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 Charles Bishop, I'm not pulling for Jackson in the final. No. <laughs> <laughs> he can say his allegiance because <laughs> he's not calling the game. <laughs> well, who do you have in the championship, uh, Drew? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the computers because that's going to save me from these crazy predictions. Uh, <laughs> Smart move. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you what's interesting. According to the computers, whoever wins the Alcorn uh, preview game is is probably going to have the best chance to win the tournament. Alcorn Ooh. wins; they're at nineteen percent. They're the they're the best. A preview Grambling finals gives preview the second best percentage at just under fifteen percent. So. Uh, with that being said, I'm going with the winner of the the winner of the one eight matchup will win the tournament, and I'm I'm leaning towards preview. But I'm going to whoever wins that one eight match will win the tournament. All right. Um, well, I I know I'm supposed I know I know I'm supposed to put FAMU in the championship. Um, I'll save that for another show. Uh, so if I put FAMU in the championship with a victory over Alcorn State, I think the other side looks like Texas Southern. So I'm, I'm on the other side of the bracket. I'm going Texas Southern all the way to the finals. The question is, can FAMU do what I think they can do and beat Alcorn State? Now, if they don't beat Alcorn State, then obviously I got a one versus two matchup. But I, I think FAM can beat Alcorn, um, but it'll be an interesting game. So my, my question with, with FAMU is, is with, with FAMU is who is the le- legit other scoring threat for FAMU beyond MJ Randall? Is it Cameron Reeves? Is it DJ? Who who, who gives him that, that other scoring punch? Uh, well, you've got uh, you've got Reeves, you got Brown, you've got. I mean, you do actually technically do have a couple of guys. Um, that's the interesting part about this this team. Um, you know, be, and then don't don't sleep on the fact that you got Jalen Spear coming back as well, uh, a sophomore. Um, 
the, the fact that the fact that MJ Randolph does what he does and is not a three-point shooter is probably one of the most fascinating yeah. things in college basketball right now. You know, um, so what that means is you've got other guys. You've got Reeves. You've got Spear. Um, you've got, uh, 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 Johnny Brown, um, Bryce Meringue. I mean, there's a, this is a team that's got 13 returners. Uh, so this isn't a young squad. Um, and so I think there are three to four other guys, uh, that really can, 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 can play. So, um, at the end of the day, yeah, they're going to go to Randolph, but I think there's a couple other guys who can score a bucket late in the clutch. And I think that's the diversity that makes FAMU a really dangerous team um, in, in this tournament. Uh, I, I would agree with you, Brian. I think what's challenging about FAMU is no number two to, to answer Charles' question directly. There isn't a number two that you can circle and say, all right, let's stop MJ Randolph, and then we stop this and we're good. They do it as a collective. It can be good or bad, but that's what makes it a little more dangerous from the point that you can't a person. Everybody else plays their roles sure. and they get hot making the, the buckets. In a lot of ways, you've seen that. It's similar to I don't know who's going to get hot and get the bucket. You know, there's several guys that can do it. And if they're able to score in bunches, then they become dangerous. But on Hands the other side. If they kind of slump off, there's no one that you can go to other than your top guy and say, "Get me a basket." And if you can hog them down, you have some problem. The gift and the curse when you talk about FAMU and or Jackson State. Hey Brian, sure, let's you know, just a couple, yeah, cu- couple things about the second round matchups: a Southern Texas Southern second round matchup, according to the computers, is a coin flip. It, it 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 comes out to exactly fifty percent each. It, it it did not uh, predict predict the winner. And right, also, and this is what I would. I was gonna say this. I want to go back and get your other computer because it's interesting to see what the computer ranking says. But went went on to see the computer rankings are probably looking at the algorithms for all the matchups. Correct versus with each other, which is fascinating in some ways. You had where you have some odd things happening with, for example, Southern beating Prairie View both games, but Texas Southern losing Southern. But you have Gramlin beating Southern game, Texas Southern beating Gramlin for both games. And obviously you have Prairie View that uh, is one-on-one, but one of them is a forfeit, but they dominated Gramlin in you have these certain kind of matchups where certain teams play really well, home and away for the most part against certain teams, but not against other teams. So, uh in terms of what matchups trickle out throughout, um, and not necessarily the seeding in this tournament. Yeah. One, one other thing, uh, and uh, please don't uh, repeat this on the ONG strike zone, Brian. But FAMU is an underdog in a second round matchup against either Alcorn or Prairie View. Hey, you know what? It, it is according to it the is what it is. Ella, it is what it is. You you send those numbers to me because you know the computers are what they are. Um, you know, thankfully uh, we've got uh, 
we we might have the uh, the best player in the uh, in the conference on our side. So uh, I think some things that you have to kind of consider in a tournament like this is ride with the best player and then ride with ride with chalk. Sometimes you got to ride with chalk, uh, and so don't don't sleep on these top seeds. Uh, that that'll be real interesting. Today uh, we're gonna right. use whiteboards now, Brian. Well, yeah, there you go. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let let's Man, round this show. The, off. So he says, "Go chalk." I'm putting out the dry rates. No, no, sir. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap this up with some superlatives here. Overall player of the year, all swag first team. Give me five guys, and then go coach of the year. So. Uh, I'll start it off. Let's go player of the year. We'll go round the horn. Charles, who's your player of the year in the SWAT? MJ Randolph, Florida A&M. All right. Doc, who's your who's your MVP? Damn you. Welcome to the SWAT, MJ Randolph. All right. Who you got, uh, Drew? Hey, who am I to break the trend? We're going to give – we know, fam, you're going to win one thing, and that's going to be that player of the year award. Uh, just some interesting numbers here for MJ. Number two in the conference in scoring. Number 10 in rebounding. Number five in field goal percentage. Number five in assists per game. Uh, number one in free throw attempts. Number one in free throws made. Number seven in steals. Number one in minutes played, scored 30 points in two SWAT games, one of two players to do that this year. Uh, you're talking about a guard that's in every cat. I mean, literally, he's top 10 in points, rebounds, and assists. The only player in the SWAT that can hit all those marks. Um, and I, I, without a doubt, I, I think MJ should be – uh, player of the year probably should be unanimous, but you know, it'll never go that way because I think Javis McKinnis will get a lot. We'll get some votes, but uh, I think MJ will come away with, uh, with either first or second place. So let's round out the, the SWAT top five. So Man, who are the four know, other guys in the, in the modern day? You're not giving a player of the year. On the you're not going to do it. Not to say he doesn't deserve it. He's up there at the defense. Certainly, in my get to it, you know, deserves first team accolade. There's a nice argument as you tried to put him in play of the year, but some statistics. Come on. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, let's go. Who's your other four on your uh, all swag team, Charles? Who are the other four guys? Uh, Javis McKinnis at center. Uh, MJ Randolph, Sean Williams, pure scorer at UAPB. Uh, gonna go Jalen Johnson and Joe Ooh. French. Joe French, okay, okay, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you got, Doc? Yeah, along with MJ Randolph, uh, defensively, I'm gonna start with uh, Javius McKinnis, excuse me, in regards to Jackson State. Uh, I like what he was able to get done. Uh, I'm going with Jawan Daniels. He gets it done on both sides of the ball. You know, top five in yeah. scoring, but also top five in terms of what he's able to do, rebounding. And uh, also, he's right there in some ways in terms of what he's able to do just outside of top five and number six in terms of his field goal percentage. So, um, he's really nice 
in terms of what he gets done. I think he, although the record there gives you pause maybe, so I'm, I'm going to have to go with there. Jalen Johnson from Alabama A&M, I think he earns uh, another spot there. And I know this may not be popular, but uh, it's just something about Jeremiah Cambrell that I'm going to put in there as well. I don't think that's going to happen in terms of that, but that's my top five, so I'm going to stick with it. All right, Drew, who's your five? Uh, I've got Jada Johnson, Alabama A&M, Jawan Daniels, uh, Javius McKinnis, and I don't think I've heard this name called yet, uh, Caleb Hunter. Mm. From, from Valley. I mean, he's had, he's, had, he's had a solid season. But it was just hard yeah, for yeah. me to give somebody that's out of the top that didn't make the tournament, the bottom four in terms of first team dub. I give some second team, but if you're in that bottom four, it's just hard for me to be like, yeah. That's a, so that's think, a good point. Uh, I, 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 I debate Jawan Daniels and Jaden uh, Sadler were two guys that were, I was trying to see if I'd put them on my first team. Um, if I had a seven man first team, they would, in, they would be on it. Of course, Jaden Sadler is of Southern uh, Jawan Daniels doc. You mentioned a preview. My five is Randolph McKinnis. I went with Sean Williams, who ends up as the scoring leader, the scoring champ. Uh, he put up yeah. three 30 point performances, uh, he had a point three. So that's a point three average better than Randolph uh, for UAPB. Uh, I went also with Jalen Johnson. And how about this from the champs? I went with Justin Thomas. They're they're Justin Thomas. Their guard uh, led the league in assists and uh, at four point four game and total assist with eighty. Um, and I thought uh, he had a good average, about twelve thirteen a game. But again. He played on the number one team, played on the conference champs. I thought that was deserving of getting on the first team. All right. Yeah, Let's I go to coach it. of the year. I like yeah. Who's your who's your coach of the year, uh, Charles? And the Bussy, Alcorn State. Doc, who you got? Won't take me long, Bus. Man, nobody thought they were gonna think they would pick what top eight at the beginning of the year. And where mm-hmm. they came from last year to find a way in this conference, deepest as it was, some of those tough to bounce back off of those tough losses. Yeah, that's easy. Bussy. Well said. What do you got, Drew? Well, this is a very anticlimactic segment. Uh, so, you know, I, I got to agree with Bussy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys too. Another another sweet there. So, uh, good, to, good to see we're, we're all think alike. I don't know if that's good or bad, but we all think alike for player of the year and coach of the year for the men and women. And again, folks, none of us have a vote. <laughs> uh, supposedly. Nobody has a vote. <laughs> But I can confirm okay. that I do not have a vote. I don't have a vote either. Uh, <laughs> We're going to stop the conversation right there. We're going to stop the conversation right there. Hey, uh, let's, let's, get ready to, let's get ready to wrap up, guys. I got I to gotta make a – I got to get on a bus and go pick up some track kids. Um, let's talk about expectations for attendance and the environment in Birmingham. Charles, Doc, I know both of you will be there. Um, so, Charles, what's your 
thoughts on the expectation of attendance and just the environment, and then I'll go to, and then Doc jump in after. Well, obviously, I think if uh, Alabama A&M makes a, a nice little run there, the attendance, I think, will will shoot on up there. But uh, overall, I've always enjoyed the environment. I think it's always fan-friendly, so I'm looking forward to uh, going over there again. But uh, I, I think uh, attendance-wise, uh, it goes as well as it has been promoted. So, Okay. Doc, your thoughts? Yeah, I with four of the Alabama teams being in there, along with FAMU the first time, that in most people's estimation, COVID is basically lifted, even though I, I think differently. But everything would be open. I think people are going to be excited to be out trying on. So I think when you put all that together, you're going to end up having a well-attended uh, conference. I certainly think on the uh, – and besides what Jackson State is going to do on the women's side, I think you're going to have a exciting tournament with some extremely close matchups. So – um, at least be, be entertaining uh, that we've seen in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew, any thoughts on – Whispering around there, everybody's going to be whispering there talking about is Tennessee State coming to the conference. Oh, as yeah. As well as Clark Atlanta University. So that's going to be the buzz. Everybody's going to be how true that is. So that's going to make for some interesting back and tournament long. Okay. Drew, any thoughts there on attendance and just the environment in the Birmingham area? I'm just to go way off the radar with this statement right here. Uh-oh. When we, when we look at ESPN and look at the highlights or any other four-letter network, we are definitely going to know that this is a SWAC tournament because I'm wondering how big the layover is going to be to cover up the UAB Blazer on the floor because they are playing at Bartow Arena. Which is home of the UAB? Oh no no Blazers. no, Drew! New no, court, no, no, Drew. They new bought court. their own court. Yeah. Oh, that's they right. They bought the new court. Yeah, I was going to say that was one of the big things okay. that I'm, I'm I'm very happy that the conference spent the money, uh, whether it be through sponsorship or whatever, to have a unique court custom design for this. I think that is big time. Um, you know the uh, as it's called the the Cricket Wireless SWAC Basketball Tournament presented by Mountain Dew. I think I got all the plug reads in there. Um, so congratulations to the SWAC, uh, Dr. McClellan, um, Andrew Roberts, and everybody over there. That court should look great. It'll feature all 12 of the logos on the baseline, six on one end, six on the other. Uh, you know, proper SWAC logo coverage. Uh, it, it should look good. And, and that's you know, that's what gets eyes watching. All the games will be on ESPN Plus, and then the championship games will be on ESPNU. So uh, should be good. First game takes place on March 9th. So Wednesday and Thursday are the opening round games. Semifinals are on March 11th. That's Friday. And then championship day is on Saturday. So uh, stay tuned to SWAT.org for more information and so on and so forth. Uh, Charles, you'll be calling the, you're calling the men and women or just the women or just the men rather? Uh, uh, men and women for uh, Jackson State uh, uh, basketball this weekend. Okay. Okay. So Charles will be on ESPN. Yeah. ESPN plus, Thank right? Thank you. Hey. Uh, Jackson State Sports uh, uh, Radio Network. Jackson State Sports Radio Network. You'll okay. have your traditional, you had a traditional crew 
Um, and uh, who the two other swag guys are called? Uh, oh. Tali and um, Centaur. Centaurius. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Centaur, okay. and then you uh, coming off the bench as well. Too. Well, so you hey, uh, call I. You, you you let you I mean uh, I don't know that with the radio broadcast feed it's a radio broadcast feed is that what it, what it is Charles? Yeah, uh, W O A D thirteen hundred in Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, make sure to send that link out. I I, I can uh, put the TV on and then uh, hit mute and listen to uh, you uh, broadcast that game. No offense to the other guys calling it. I'd rather hear you talk about it uh, on, on those days. So uh, props to uh, all any and all schools that are sending their radio broadcast teams. We need that. Every school should have their radio and TV broadcast teams at the SWAC, but that's a rant for another day. All right, that's going to yeah. do it for this, guys. Uh, well, well, I'm, appreciate I'm only thing, listening Brian. to Charles if he promises. Yeah. <laughs> don't give me any love. Always, Doc. Always. <laughs> Drew, hey, we can Drew, use some Drew, love over in Black time. College also. Hey, uh, if you notice, two, there were two teams who did not have anybody invited to the dance. That would be Bethune and Valley. Uh, neither men nor women were invited to the dance. So, just wanted to just wanted Good to make point. sure we threw that out there. And of the top mm. five scoring teams, they both have A and M at the end of their university. Alabama A and M and Prairie View A and M. Something about that. <laughs> Well, well said, well said. Doc, that was a that was a low blow you threw out there, uh, Drew, to put in the show like that. that. That was so unnecessary. But anyway, well, we uh, we, we got their names <laughs> in, didn't we? We made sure all twelve teams were mentioned. I had okay. to drop it in there somewhere. That was a plug. You, you're, you're horrible. All right, hey, uh, you're right. Thank you. We your names all. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, uh, you guys. Uh, hopefully, y'all watching us on Facebook, Twitter, Inst- and uh, and uh, uh, on YouTube. We appreciate you guys watching. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, tag us uh, on on Twitter. Uh, let us know your predictions or where you see this tournament going. Uh, we look forward to going back and reading the comments. Make sure to uh, share this feed on Facebook and YouTube everywhere you go. Uh, also, you can check it out on the BCSN Pod Zone everywhere you download or listen to podcasts. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on your Google or Apple Play Store. Just search my JBM, my BCSN. So that's going to do it for my normal uh, BCSN Sports Wrap partner, AD Drew. For uh, Charles Bishop of the pregame show and of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab and the dean himself, Dr. Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, I am Brian Fulford. Thank you guys for watching. Good luck to everybody traveling to Birmingham. Good luck to all the teams, coaches, staff, administrators. Have a great time. Uh, And uh, everybody at home, make sure you're watching. If you're not going, make sure you're watching so that we can uh, all get back together and talk about everything we saw and heard. Thank you, guys. Good night. Peace out. Mahalo.